good morning again, church. It's good to see you today. It's a little warm in here to me, but somebody said they were freezing, so I'm not sure who's touched the thermostat back there. They'll figure it out, I'm sure. Today, we're going to look at a lot of Bible verses, and I want you to either get your Bible out or get your electronic devices out. Don't be playing old video games, but just um, if you would, dig into the Word today with me as we look at this subject matter in which uh, is extremely important to all of us and all mankind. The purpose of this message is, again, for all of us, but it, it, it stems from someone asking me recently this question, what do you believe about salvation? So it's a simple question, what do you believe about salvation? And uh, I simply said, well, I like it, how about you? And I'm thankful for it. Anybody can say amen? Amen. All right. Well, before I get to the person, what they were really getting at in their walk and their struggle with it, let me be clear of what we do believe about salvation. So again, a lot of verses. If you want more, I'll be glad to give them to you before the Bible is packed full of them and thank God for that. Amen? All right. Well, we believe that the Bible teaches that us, man, um, you and I, created by God, willfully sinned against God and is consequently lost without hope apart from Jesus Christ, period. We're lost without hope without Jesus Christ. A couple of scriptures to back that up in Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, of course, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given mankind whereby you must be saved. In Romans chapter 3, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That simply means you and me and your grandma and your grandpa. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We believe that the Bible teaches that salvation, the forgiveness of sins, is only through grace, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Period. Scriptures to back that up would be Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Let me say that again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. What is the gift? It's grace. How do you receive that grace? Through faith. Why? So that you and I can't boast about it. In Romans chapter 5, since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved through God's wrath, through Him, through Jesus Christ alone? Give me an amen. Amen. We believe that the Bible teaches that one receives God's grace by putting faith in Christ Jesus. By repenting of sin. Repentance is a military term. It's just an about face. You turn direction. You're headed one direction, now you're headed in God's direction. That's the repentance that we are called to have in our hearts. Confession, confessing that Christ is the Lord and being immersed into Christ baptism. In Acts chapter 3, verse number 19, the Scripture says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 27, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 21, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, 
but a pledge of a clear conscience toward God. The water doesn't save you. It doesn't save anyone. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death, the shedding of His blood, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the gift of grace is extended to us by God through Christ dying on the cross shedding His blood, and overcoming the grave. We receive that gift of grace through our faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Can I have an amen? There's where we stand. Now for the person that asks, what do you believe about salvation? After visiting with this person for just a few moments, I discovered real quickly that they were actually a Christian. But it doesn't surprise me that they would struggle with this. You see, their problem was they had doubt and they had struggled with their own salvation. Have you ever struggled with your salvation? Have you ever had doubts about your salvation? Many Christians do, and perhaps you are one. Well, I want to make it very clear so that when you leave this place today, that you know that you too can have salvation or your salvation is secure in Christ Jesus alone. So whether you are saved or not, I would pray that this message would be heard by your heart today and that you would listen to God's call in your life to give you that assurance that God wants you to have as a believer or to give you this hope which can only be found in Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that's my hope. Let's see what happens. In 1981, in Minnesota, radio station reported a stolen car. It seems kind of strange to report a stolen car, but nonetheless it was. Police were staging an intense search for a vehicle driven by this thief, even to the point of placing the announcement on the local radio stations and running across in hopes that this man would be listening to one of these stations and literally take their advice through this process. You see, unbeknownst to the thief that had stole this car, on the front seat of this stolen car was a box of crackers. It doesn't sound so bad. But you see, the owner, what he did not know, is the owner of that car, before it was stolen, had laced the crackers with poison. And it was to kill rats. It was rat bait. And so now the police and the owner of the car were more interested in apprehending the thief to save his life, not so much to recover the car. Why would I use that? Well, Christ has come to save us and rescue us from a poison, the poison of sin. And if we don't heed his call and listen to his call, we will be poisoned by that and we will die in our sin, but in Christ alone. In Christ alone. There's hope. So often as Christians, as we run, and Christians, non-Christians, but Christians do this as often, I think, maybe perhaps, maybe not as often, but we do, we find ourselves running from God. When we choose to run from God, what we're actually trying to do, I think inside, we're trying to escape His punishment. 
Somehow is that we can outrun God fast enough, be fast enough that he cannot catch up with me and my sin. How silly, but true. But what we are actually doing is we are eluding his rescue. If God is a God that wants to rescue us, the only way we can be rescued is to quit running. The scripture here in Galatians chapter 1, I use it today, is grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul writes, who gives himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and our Father, to whom be all glory forever and ever. Amen. A God that wants to rescue So Paul was telling the church at Galatia, he was simply saying, there is a God out there, and you need to hear that today, there's a God out there that wants to rescue you. And perhaps you're here today, and you never heard that before. But most of this in this room, you have heard that many times, haven't you? And somewhere along in your life, you heed that call, and you surrendered your life to Him. But since that point, some things go haywire in your life. Well, wouldn't it be nice if you became a Christian and everything was just, we used to use this term, hunky-dory? Wouldn't it be great if God, God just, just put on you this shield in such a way that you would never, ever sin again? But yet we all know as Christians we do sin again and again and again and again. Anybody not sin this week? We're all guilty. All of us. So in the midst of all of that, we have to, so why do so many Christians doubt or struggle with their own salvation? There are many things I personally feel that there are several things, I should say, that play a key role in this. In fact, I should probably do a class on this. The only reason why I'm preaching this and not doing a 13-week Bible class, because it would take at least that long to do it, is because most of the people that really need it wouldn't show up. And so the list is long, and yet I'll just give you a few, but I wanted to set the stage with this because I believe there are a few key ones out there in that. One is that they believe that they have to be, the Christian believes that they have to be perfect or nearly perfect. Nearly perfect is not perfect. Nearly perfect means you miss the mark. You can, you can hit the mark better than I can, but if you're not perfect, you're still not perfect. Nor am I. And sometimes I hit the bullseye, but I'm still not perfect. And sometimes I don't even hit the map. Anybody with me? Four people. Wow. I'm excited. All right, here we go. Well, if that is the case, that you have to be perfect in your actions and in your deeds... Because some people feel that that's the case I have to be, and they feel as though God has got this bug zapper up there, and He's going to zap you once you do not be perfect. Well, if that is the case, you might as well start zapping, because we're all in trouble, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that we read earlier. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have a bug sin zapper? Okay, very good, because nobody raised their hand when I said, anybody not sin this week? That means you'd have been zapped. We would have just been here empty today. There were a lot of burn marks on us, right? 
All right. Another reason is that people feel or struggle with or doubt their salvation. And this one's true. Spend a lot of time on this one, and I have before. Is they like to sin. They just like it. Sin can be fun. Very enjoyable. We all know that, do we not? Sin can be fun for a season. And then all breaks loose, doesn't it? And they know what is wrong and what they're doing is wrong, but they just don't want to give it up. And when I bring that up in counsel, oftentimes people are just, they just hang their head. Well, that's just too tough. Paul addresses that in the book of Romans. I would just encourage you to read Romans because the Romans felt like, well, this grace thing means I can sin all I want to. I get more grace. And Paul set them straight on that, not that he was straight himself. And we'll get to that in a minute. So what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of this message on two, two topics, two areas in which people struggle with, Christians struggle with in their doubt or their struggle with sin, struggle with their salvation, I should say. And I deal with this, and the reason why I bring these two into focus, I guess, is because they are the ones that come up over and over and over again in my counsel sessions. And there are two areas that I really go to first, because this first one, I can throw it out there, and I can almost see it instant in people's lives. And it's pretty amazing. The first one is, I've discovered that many doubt their salvation or come to that conclusion because they have never fully trusted Jesus as the Lord of their life. Now that sounds simplistic, doesn't it? It sounds rather just, I don't know, just easy to roll off the tongue, but they've never accepted Him as the Lord of their life. I've said it many times, but let me say it again. We want a Savior. Everybody I know wants a Savior. If you're in the middle of the, middle of the ocean with no life jacket, you want a Savior. If you're in a burning fire, you want a Savior. Everybody wants a Savior, but not everybody wants somebody to be the Lord of their life while they're here. We want salvation in the end, yes, but between now and then, we want to do our own thing. But did you know that's common? Did you know that's within us? Did you know that's the human nature of us? It's not that someone's special and they never had that feeling before. We all do. Because once again, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. However, getting dunked, we would say, is not the same thing as making Him the Lord of your life. In baptism, we should be looking at that is he is now the Lord of my life, but it's often glanced over. It's often skimmed over, if you will. Again, what we want is saved, but we don't want to go through the process of him being the Lord of our life. You have to get that in your life. Your life will never be straight with God. doesn't mean that you're lost. Your life will never be straight with God if you're trying to be the Lord of your life. And praying like the Dickens that he's going to save you in the end. People that do that, here's a real clue. People that simply say these words, I sure hope I am. Those are huge indicators. 
I sure hope I've done enough in Christ alone. All right. So in this, I simply write, they heard the word, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. They believed him, Mark 16, 16. They repented of their sins, Luke 13, 3. They confessed him as Lord, but again, they skimmed over it because they read a verse and not the verses that are connected, Matthew 10, 23 through 33. And they have experienced the new birth baptism, Mark 16, 16. They have done what we used to call the five steps. And we've plugged in a sixth one for good measure. Be thou faithful unto death. Of course we're to be faithful. We're children of God. Of course we're to be faithful. There's no doubt about it. But some person gets to determine your faithfulness and usually it's not you. That's right. It's easy to point a finger. It's hard to accept one. Anybody been there but me? But it's been a while. And here you are a week, month, year, ten years later. And you still haven't been able to quite give up. That one, two, three things that you really struggle with. That look that you want to give up, but it just keeps drawing you back in. Those words that you use over and over again that you know shouldn't be in there, but somehow when you get a little riled, they come out full force. Maybe it's the bottle. It's that one thing, that two things, three things, that you just haven't been able to be freed from. And somehow within all of that, you feel as though you should have by now been able to conquer that. And when you think like that long enough, what you do is you begin to say, I must be lost again. What can I do? And many, watch this, and many stop taking communion. During this time, many stopped taking communion, thinking that that will teach me a lesson and that God will see that somehow in this, I've punished myself because I do not measure up. That's the silliest thing I ever heard. Think about that. We've all just admitted that we have sinned this week. Did you take communion? In this process, and eventually what happens, they just stop showing up. Boop, 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 boop. They just stop showing up. And the reason why they stop showing up is because their guilt hurts them so bad. I've tried to fail, try to fail, try to fail, try to fail, and I just am so wore out. I'm wore out by me, and I'm wore out by others condemning me. It's the truth. And they just stop and they just think, I'm just going to give it up. And they avoid you at the stores. They won't look you in your eye. They'll just simply say, I'm busy. Got stuff going on. 
kids got a lot of stuff. I don't know, yeah, I need to get back. You ever hear those before? You ever say those before? Someone's saying it today. Listen, when you become a Christian, forgiveness comes in an instant. It doesn't come in stages. You need to know that. God doesn't hold back some of His forgiveness. Well, when you get that one right, I'm going to then give you a little more of forgiveness. You see it? That's a lie from Satan. Change in your life and lifestyle may take time. In fact, for some, a lifetime. It's that deep within you. Because, you see, if you have to be perfect in the end, you better make sure that just before you draw that last breath, that you've asked forgiveness of that last sin. If not, the bug zapper is going to get you. You see it? And when we think like that, we can't be what God wants us to be. So what does He want us to be? He doesn't want your actions. He doesn't want your deeds. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Because if he has your heart, your actions and your deeds will follow suit. But he knows that even in that moment, there is no such thing as perfection within man. It's only within Christ. Because if it's in within you, then you would have went to the cross and died for our sins. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, including me, including you, and grandma and grandpa. Listen to the writer here, Paul, from the book of Romans. It's a lengthy reading, but I use it from the Living Bible Translation. Someone might be jumping in their seat and saying, Oh, King James, King James. Well, get your King James out and read it. I'm just saying this is elementary, and that's probably where I'm at in my life, but it just brings it down to common sense for me. So listen as we read what Paul said. Now, keep in mind, as you do this, though, look up here. Everybody look up here. Teachers do that. Look up here. Keep in mind, Paul was given the right to write two-thirds of the New Testament. But you know his background. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Now, if anybody's close to perfect, it's got to be somebody that God gives permission to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Listen, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Paul's admitting it's still in there. In my mind, I want to, do, I want to be God's willing servant But instead, I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I am in. Who will free me from my slavery slavery to this deadly lower nature? Thank God. Thank God. Because every single person, 
every single person struggles with Paul, what Paul struggles with or with. But thank God, it has been done. It's been done. Where was it done? We go back to the cross. We go back to the blood. We go back to Jesus giving it all in Christ alone. By Jesus Christ our Lord, He has set me. He has set me. He has set me. What part of that do we get? When you say free, it doesn't sound right to us in our nature. Because we have to pay for everything. It cost us something. And God knew that we would struggle with this word free. He knew that we would. Paul discovered here something and that was, if God has set me free, he hasn't sent me back to not free status. But yet some people think that. That is why he wrote in a very few sentences later. Remember we put the numbers to the books, the numbers, the chapters, and then we put the numbers by it. He's just writing it out. And so just a very few short sentences later, he writes, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stop. Anybody ever hear that in your life? Raise your hand. If you were raised in church, you've heard, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? In Christ alone. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. It doesn't say perfect. Because sin leads to death. But Christ alone leads to salvation forevermore. Give me an amen. Now watch. He finished it by saying, read the whole chapter if you want. It's great. Read. Good read this week. But he finishes that chapter in verse number 14, or that statement, I think. It comes to a conclusion there in 14 and following. For those, let me read it from my tracks here, it's hard to see there. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Stop. Don't read the whole thing. Read it, absorb it, watch. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. You see, if you move from fear of being lost to fear of not being good enough, it's still fear. God doesn't move you from fear to fear. You got fear over here because you're lost. Oh, I'm going to move you over here to fear that you're not good enough. Think about it. God moves you. God doesn't move you from fear to fear. He, do, he moves you from fear to free. Give me another amen. amen. That's worth a big one right there. And some Christians, listen closely, my friend. My brother, my sister in Christ, listen closely. 
And some Christians walk in fear all their Christian life out of not being good enough. News alert. You will never, ever, in 10,000 lifetimes to get a chance again and again, you can't etch a sketch it enough to get it ever perfect. Period. It's impossible. Except in Christ alone. That's how good our God is. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't this good news? This isn't to beat anyone up. It's to set you free. For that's why Christ came. Now watch as we move on. Rather the Spirit, I'm going to finish that statement there. Rather the Spirit you received brought you brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. Now watch. You are not God's child one day and not the next. That's that in and out burger that everybody likes. You're not in and out, in and out, in and out, because by your own admission, a few minutes ago, you're out. When we sin, are we God's child or have we been thrown out by God? Think about that. When we sin, are we God's child? Or have we been thrown out by God? You're no longer my child. See how silly that is? Well, but are you telling me I can just go ahead and live in sin? I did not say that. Paul fought against that all the time because that's what the other side says. So we run to the other side and it just says that. So we got to run to this side and say, you're out. You see how it works. But because you are set free, now what do you do? You serve because you know you've been set free by that sinful nature. And you no longer will die to that sinful nature in the sense that you will be separated from God because you've been adopted by God through Christ Jesus as His child. So, if you've accepted his gift of grace, remember the gift of grace? Through faith, you are his child. What do you do with that faith when you sin then? Here's the struggle that people have. What do you, if you have that faith and you are that child, what do you do with that faith now when you do sin? Which all of us said we did. You repent. You repent. And you confess that He is the Lord of your life. Lord, you're the Lord of my life. That's not the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life. I repent of that sin. And then you remember that you have been clothed. Remember? When you put Him on in baptism, what are you? You are clothed with Christ. That's what Scripture says. You're clothed with Him. 
so you remember you're clothed with him in baptism and that you are his child. That is why you take communion. That is why he's, he desires for us to, to do that. He instituted two things here on planet earth, Jesus did. Baptism and communion. Both of them lead right back to Christ alone. Watch what it, in this, that's why we take communion, so that you remember the one that set you free, Jesus Christ alone. It's yes, this, this week I have, yes, I probably seen something or I said something and I know I said something, but I'm not even sure if I did, but I probably missed that one, so I did. I'm a sinner without you. I remember what you did on the cross for me. You set me free and I now take this because I believe that I have been set free and I remember what you did for me and by doing that I have become your child oh Lord let me drink let me partake secondly this one's short Christians may doubt their salvation because they listen to a liar Man, I could go on this one for a while, but read all of John chapter 8. The fact is, Satan, he is the father of all lies. And this is a big one that he wants Christians to believe. You see, who you believe is who you will follow. I talked to a young man here, just a little boy. I don't know, how old is that? Yeah, eight, eight years old. And we were talking about that this morning. He come in with his bow tie on, looks so good, handsome. I'm so proud of that young man. And he, I said, why don't we take our pictures today? And we stood in front of the Christmas tree out there and took our pictures. And I, I hope that he keeps that when he's 60 years old. He puts it up on the screen and he said, here's a guy that just loved me for being me. All my honoriness and all the other. Right? But I told him how proud I was of him. I told him how proud I was of him. And, and, and I said, you want to be a good leader? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, you become a good leader by having the character that God has planted within you. I said, do you want to follow anyone that does bad? No. Then do good. Love God. And you'll do just fine. Why do I say that? Who you believe is who you will follow. Who you follow determines your destination. Prisons are full of it. It's because they followed somebody. That's fact. But here's the thing. There's a big difference when you get there of who you follow. There's only one way to heaven. Through Christ alone. When you listen to a liar long enough, you will believe that lie. That's why many people drop out of church and say, I'm not good enough. They just believe the lie. I want you to hear the truth. Listen to what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he says to her, do you believe this? Who are you going to believe, my friend? God or Satan? Because there's only two sides in which one can believe. You can either believe the truth or you can believe a lie. If Satan is the father of all lies, and God cannot lie, which one are you going to follow? 
Makes sense to me. Almost finished. You may say, well, once again, it goes back to this, because when I counsel this or I talk about this, they, yeah, yeah, got it, got it, got it, and then they always come back with these words, or many times. Well, I'm not sure that, I, that with all that I've done wrong in my life, that he would offer me salvation or welcome me back. Well, if you listen to Satan or some people, he can't and he won't unless you do everything their way and everything just right. But that is not the truth. That is a lie. For again, that is precisely why he, Jesus, came from heaven and hung on a cross so that all of our ugly sin, including yours and mine and grandma's and grandpa's, could be forgiven. Listen to what one very bad man said. A very sinful man said about himself. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do this work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Sounds good so far, don't it? Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in insolence, I persecuted his people. But God... God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Watch 15. This is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Can you say amen? Okay, because we all said we're sinners. Okay, so here he's telling us Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. Get out of the way, Roger. Get out of the way, Harley. I'm at the top of the list. I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners than others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. My friend, I want you to know today that God has no doubt knowing that if you have accepted His Son through faith as your Savior, you are saved, you are His child. He just wants you to have no doubt as well. So here's the key, or here's the questions, I guess. Jesus offers salvation today for you. Our prayer is simply that you would accept. Just accept His offer. Christians. Christians. Christians that are struggling with their salvation struggles of doubts and all these things. Don't believe a liar anymore. Believe Jesus. Put your faith in Him. Repent of that sin. Turn to Him. And yes, He allows you a return. In Christ alone. What is your need today? Is it baptism? Have you ever, have you never been baptized? You need to be baptized. Scripture's clear about that. I've I, I called on the Lord many years ago. Good for you. That's great. 
Praise God. But you need to be baptized. Then you need to just walk in this light as He is in the light. And He will guide us. For even when we fall, He's still the light. And He welcomes us home. My salvation is secure. It's in Christ alone. Whatever your need today is, if it's a prayer, request, whatever it might be, would you please come together as we stand and sing?